Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and everything it takes to build, produce, and sell value. Uh, Christine Gilroy, my co-host, is going to be my first guest. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Christine, welcome. Hi, Mark. I love being a co-host and a guest at the same time. It's killing yeah. two birds with one stone. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're on the... Uh, we're either both behind the desk or both on the couch or something like that, but um, I'm thrilled to have you here. For those of you who haven't heard uh, me introduce her a couple of times, Christine has been a sales leader, vice president of sales with Oracle, selling customer experience solutions uh, at a very high level into the enterprise space. Uh, and with, what a nice bookend for me who's been kind of uh, sales manager, marketing manager, product manager, and consultant in the sales training uh, and consulting space. So we both kind of grew sales forces and, and addressed sales force excellence from her from the technology side, me from the training and, uh, training and consulting side. So I think we bring a, a breadth of diverse experience and opinion. So Christine, awesome to have you. Awesome to be here, Mark. Thanks. What's so our topic today? The topic today is what does it take to transform from an on-premise software model to a SaaS model? And there's, there's a ton going on there because it's what does it take the selling organization to switch and what does it take for your buyers to switch? Um, because it takes, it's, it's a mental shift for buyers too. You know, many years ago when cloud and, and hosted services were not common, uh, there was always a huge sticking point about security and people are kind of getting past that. But what are some of the other sticking points for customers? Let's start with customers. Yeah, sure. I, you know, we went through this at Oracle early on uh, when we transitioned from Siebel over to our cloud solutions and we were fighting against a very formidable competitor who was still the top player in the market at Mark Benioff Salesforce. And so we, you think about what we learned is thinking about how, how to put this in the mind of the customer. What were the customers looking for and, and what were they, their overall experience? And primarily it's, they're looking at our favorite topic, Mark, it's outcome. What is the outcome that I'm getting? Because cloud is not a sticky solution as sticky as on-premise. You implement on-premise through your IT organization, IT puts, in, puts it in and then they figure you're happy, you want changes, they'll put it on the list, they'll get around to it eventually. Whereas cloud is a business buyer discussion and, and usually a business buyer uh, committee with IT influencing uh, it, that. So that changes the dynamics of it. And what that means is when they're looking at outcomes, what are you doing for me and my team and what kind of service am I going to experience? And so as sellers, we have to adapt to that because they're going, the buyer is going to be asking us questions of, after I purchase this, what happens? How, how, do you, how do you help me become successful with it? How do you help me in, you know, turn it on and enable it for my team? How do you help me to ensure that I'm getting the outcome that I want 
And how do you help me ensure that I can be agile and nimble and change it as my processes or my business changes? And that's part of the point of digital transformation is I have to transform myself as a company and become more digital so that I can keep up with today and all the changes that are constantly going on around me, my customers, my technology, all that. So that those are the demands of the customers, that total experience and my complete journey, including my sales cycle. What's that cycle look like? Yeah, it's, you know, you just made a light bulb go off in my head, Christine, you know, listening to uh, stock analysts and about the genius of salesforce.com is that rather than being an IT sale, they were made this user-friendly um, tool for salespeople and it's not that great. And nobody ever bought Salesforce because of the way they were sold to. They bought Salesforce in spite of the way they were sold to. Um, but they still are, the, the genius is that they had to shift that way. They have to, when you're selling, a, 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 selling it as a service, it is the business tool. You, the imperative is that you have to be the one who is selling to the business. And of course now their advantage is the overwhelming installed user base of people who know how to use Salesforce so that when salespeople who jump from one company to another pretty frequently um, go to a new company, if it's a Salesforce shop, they're pre-trained. Uh, whereas if there's a, there's a hiring lag when you don't. So the, they have a strategic advantage in terms of the installed base. They do, but they, the brilliance behind what Mark did was to sell to the emotions of the business buyer by, by saying, I'm putting the control back in your hands. I am selling you a tool that will help you and your sales team interact with your sellers, forecast accurately, control your sales cycle, and guess what? I'm gonna allow you to do all of that without being handcuffed by the IT organization, which is what Siebel was perceived as being something very complicated and difficult to use. So Mark's brilliance was selling uh, to the need, but also selling the want. And so he truly understood what the outcome was that his customer wanted, and his customer was the business. His customer was the sales rep, was the sales VP, was the chief sales officer. And that was what yeah. he sold to their emotion. And he essentially made himself the standard synonymous. So instead of saying CRM, it's well, what are you putting in Salesforce? You know, it's, I don't need a, I don't need just a tissue. I need a Kleenex. I need the name brand. Right. Yeah. And so Mark's brilliance behind how he marketed it, but also how he created a selling mechanism to sell to that is the standard of how you make that transformation. I'm quite surprised in just this week, as you said, uh, we've been talking to different companies about trying to make that transition from on-premise to cloud. I'm surprised that there's so much out there that still needs to happen, but there's a lot of legacy applications out there still that need to shift before new companies and new applications take over, especially in the world of artificial intelligence, where there's all these new technologies popping up and these new really creative things that are coming our way. If these technologies that are older don't really focus on making that shift and really press hard to make cloud first, their strat a strategy around cloud first, we may not see them around anymore. And you've seen that happen over and over again in our industries with uh, Polaroid, Kodak, you know, these are technology companies that that didn't shift and didn't think about 
the future needs and didn't think about what the new buyer looked like. And, and, so, you know, and I think that's actually changing the way everybody has to sell enterprise software. Um, when I was at Miller Hyman, um, a company, software company who else shall remain nameless, they had a, a sales pro, you know, a sales funnel with four or five stages. And they had done some analytics to find out that if they had been selling to IT, but by stage three, you haven't talked to the business unit, we lose 90% of those deals if we haven't engaged the business unit. Um, and so they actually changed their process to say, hey, you've got to start doing that or you're dead. But that's kind of taking that leg legacy IT first sale and adjusting it to the reality that now the world expects a business solution and a business conversation as part of the sale. So whether you are in SaaS or on-prem, that's the reality of your customer environment. A rep just told me yesterday on the phone, he has sold to IT most of his career and he does really large multi-million dollar transactions. And he's done it the same way since he was back in the 90s at PTC, which is like the most elite sales team. Everybody follows what PTC did. The challenge I have personally with that is that while they were great, they were great in the late 90s and early 2000s at their time. But our buyers are very different now. So what he says to me yesterday is, oh, but the business doesn't care. Oh, yes, they do. It's your job as a seller to, to help them understand why they care because they do care. But if you bypass them, your deal sizes are not going to be that big. You're going to be just fitting the need of what IT sees right then and there and what they're able or capable of, of consuming and producing right then and there. And so that makes your deal size smaller. So to truly get transformational and large deals in that enterprise space, you have to help the business understand why they care because the outcome is for the business. The outcome of any of these cloud solutions is for the business owners. It's not for IT. IT is a mechanism to deliver a solution. Yeah. But they're not the ultimate, they're yeah. not the ultimate benefactors of the result of the solution. That's the business. And so learning how to understand how to pivot and shift to include the business without cutting out IT is a very delicate balance. Yeah, you know, I'd be interested to talk and find out exactly what kind of software that person sells. Because if it's, if it's really infrastructure type server management and uptime management software, maybe the business doesn't know they care. And maybe you can sell it to IT and roll over the entire rest of the company roughshod. But, I, yeah, I think you're right. The, the world is changing and you need to, you need to adapt, which kind of goes to something we've been saying before that one of the cool things about SaaS is that it really shakes up and makes, makes it much more responsive to the business. The bad thing about SaaS is that it's not as sticky. Um, when it yeah, doesn't meet, the, when it, yeah, when it doesn't meet the business need, um, cut over to somebody else is not nearly as complicated. You're not as tied to a vendor. So That's what right. does that mean? Well, that was Benioff's pitch, right? I remember Mark Benioff coming in to speak to a New Hampshire high tech council back in the 90s. 
and when I was just a young pup and, and sitting in the front of the room in awe of him, sitting telling all these CEOs and software developers that software was out the door. No software, that was his first thing. No code, no software, it's all out the door. We're, we're not developing that anymore. We're developing solutions. And, and what happens is we for, have forgotten because we've gotten so comfortable with cloud solutions that we've almost forgotten that we're still selling the outcome. And that's what Mark has always sold. We're still selling the outcome. We still teach feature function and we forget about teaching the outcome and that sales enablement piece. And that's, that is primarily our goal. Part of that outcome has to be customer success. So after you've bought into what I've told you, how do I keep it sticky? I fundamentally believe that sellers have to engage their customer success team in the pre-sales cycle. No different than they would the pre-sales rep. If you're selling technology, you bring in your pre-sales engineers to help you put together the storyline, the messaging, and do the demo or the value engineering team. Customer success is just as critical because a customer wants to know, how are you going to help me and how are you gonna hold my hand throughout my entire life cycle of being your customer? And so I think that's a, an underutilized pre-sales resource for us to be using as sellers in the market. I'm going to ask, add an exclamation point, but it's an exclamation point that you gave me. Uh, you've, you've said to me before that, and you've actually provided a data point that I think, um, either that I was just really convinced, but so many times you have sold in a way that even though you won the signature, you're already one foot out the door. You started losing the sale before you won it if you sell incorrectly, if you aren't selling the outcomes and you aren't creating a smooth path to understand expectations and then meet expectations. Yeah, you lose them eventually. You may win the short-term sale, but you don't keep them as a customer. And so when you look at your customer life cycle and how long that customer's value is to you as the seller and your selling organization, there's a lot of value to them throughout. So your typical SaaS contract is anywhere between 24 to 36 months, but you've got to think about that value beyond them so that that customer has value to you and that reoccurring revenue. And that's the mind shift is I'm looking for that reoccurring revenue now on building that strong relationship up front and building a strong foundation underneath the sale to make sure that I capture the recurring revenue. And so that's part of that mind shift, mind shift that we're making early days in the sales cycle. I think I've also, that conversation was, uh, you know, I always look for sellers that are playing to win, not playing not to lose. So when yeah. you play the game not to lose, your customer's driving the sales cycle and just telling you, well, I need this, so show me that. And uh, because the customers don't often know how to buy a cloud solution, it's our job to help them understand the elements of the cloud solution that provide the outcome, not just what the technology is going to provide to them, but the overall service over the life that, of their being a customer of ours. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the things that you and I work with our client is, let's understand, Mr. Client, uh, when you sell your SaaS solution, what do you offer differently and what outcomes does that difference deliver to your customers. So now when you're talking about a customer, talking to your customer, your prospect, and they're asking you for this, 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 you need to add in, have you ever thought about this outcome? Wouldn't that be a nice outcome to also get? Oh, yes, it would. I didn't know that I could get that. 
Now you're adding an outcome that you uniquely can deliver. And so rather than be responsive, just like all the rest of your competitors to the laundry list of stuff, you've added to their criteria something where you excel. And so we need to, and it's the same methodology. You're still going to contact all the people who are involved and, and you're, I mean, it's, it's the same methodology to contact people. You're just strategically figuring out which people to add to increase your chances of success. And um, we had this conversation not too long ago uh, before we got on the phone or, or on the Zoom where we're recording this. And that is there are so many people when it's a business solution, when your software or when your product or service, whether it's SaaS or something else, uh, you have lots of people who face the customer, interact with the customer, their client success, installation, application engineering, tech support, inst installation, project management, customer service in three tiers of tech support, blah, 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 blah. And every single one of those has a trusting, trusted relationship with somebody at your customer. And when we say SaaS is not as sticky, that's probably only true because we haven't recruited the, all those additional people to develop relationships, to discover outcomes that we can now deliver and to make ourselves indispensable. I think we missed one on that. And, and it was reinforced in a conversation I had with a technology company this week, Mark, and that's also your external players in the ecosystem. They're very ah. important piece of the element. So if you're working with global SIs or you're working with consultants, uh, even consultants like us, right? So think about uh, if you're a technology player and you're trying to sell new CRM technology and they miss you and I being thought leaders influencing the customer because of how we're teaching them how to do value consulting and they don't talk to us, we're gonna influence in the opposite direction. So you have to pull them into the, the value chain and you have to help them understand what values you bring and help them be able to articulate that back to the client. And a lot of these, like the global SIs will wanna stay sort of vendor neutral, but they still can say, we understand that the value of this company is this. And so you want to make sure you're pulling them in and make and being part of that team and making sure they understand how you're articulating the value so that they can articulate it in the same way. And yep. they will appreciate you for it. They will appreciate that you've handed them the script to say, and here's the proof points of why we add this unique value. Yeah. Uh, really great point. Um, Remember your customer is not just buying from you and your competitors. They are informing themselves through many, many channels. And as it turns out, um, your salespeople and your competitors' salespeople are near the bottom of the preferred list of information sources that they are consulting. And so um, they, if you can get one of their other consultants to at least give you a, I recognize that this is what you do and this is the value you provide, uh, that is amazingly powerful, even if it comes out of their mouth sounding very non-committal and neutral, as they probably have to be, um, them recognizing that is extremely powerful. 
That's right. And I think another point to add to that is when we're speaking to the customer and selling a cloud solution, it, because you are selling to the business, you and I've discussed business acumen being very critical and key. And that means I have to know a lot more about my customer then sometimes the person at the customer knows. Uh, a rep on the team that had been going through some of these value things with us this week said, hey, I came back from a meeting and it was so amazing. I used the slides that you helped me put together. And you know, at the end of the meeting, Christine, the customer asked me for a copy of that slide. And he said to me, how is it that you know more about us than we, than some of our people know about us? And it was because the rep did his homework. He did his homework, he understood the customer, he looked at what the customer's objectives were, what, what things they were trying to accomplish, and he looked at it from their perspective or their lens. And when you're selling a cloud solution to add value to every conversation, you need to know a lot about the customer in the industry uh, because you're selling to a business buyer. And that business yeah. buyer is going to open up to you, believe that you're a trusted advisor, they're going to allow you to nurture the relationship and mature that that piece of the business, if you come to the table with knowledge and a, that you can give them the comfort level that you see things through their lens. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems simple when you think about it. If SaaS is become a business sale, selling business outcomes, you need to be able to, as a seller, have more detailed business conversations about business outcomes than you used to. And if you are able to have more insightful business conversations than your competitors, you are the trusted advisor. You move ahead of all those other salespeople who are nuisances and time wasters. And that's where you wanna be when you have this non-sticky uh, relationship. There are many enterprise software companies who have developed an MBA program for their, for their sellers. Uh, I know Microsoft has actually contracted with one of the biz, big business schools and has, has configured an online, mostly MBA course for um, software, you know, for their enterprise software teams because those software teams can't sell to IT anymore. They have to sell business outcomes to business people with business conversations. So business acumen is actually the dividing line between successful companies, kind of successful companies and elite companies. When your sellers can have that elite consulting insight, business insight conversation, they are not the same as somebody who sells software. That's true. I spoke to an executive VP of sales this week and he said to me, yeah, I was on a call reviewing a large deal review with the manager and a sales rep this week. And the sales rep came to the table and knew his deal inside and out. He knew exactly who the players were, what was going on. And he knew what the features and functions fit their need and what their needs were. But what he didn't know and what the VP was able to pull up in five minutes was how to describe that in a value and an outcome for the customer at the executive level to get himself to the C-suite. And to do that, the, the, the manager or leader that I was talking to pulled up their annual report. He said, I just pulled it up real quick. I read their annual report. I read the letter, the letter to the shareholders. I reviewed the PowerPoint to the shareholders. And in 10 minutes, I'm still sitting here telling the rep all these amazing things about the company and what applies. And the rep had missed that. And that was the top performing rep 
but the rep had missed that. And so when you miss that, you miss the ability to take your deal from say $200,000 technology deal to a 2.5 or $3.5 million technology deal, because now you're elevating yourself to the C-suite to have those conversations. And that, that's the type of homework and that's the type of selling behavior that has to happen when you're selling a cloud solution and you're trying to put cloud first, that cloud first mindset has to be, I have to know and understand my customer. So I love hearing these stories of success that where it's working, you know, the rep being asked for a copy of the slide because he knew more about the customer than some of the staff members at the company and the sales rep being, you know, kind of schooled by an executive really quickly. And the executive said, wow, look how smart I looked because I was able to, to pull out their information just really quickly. So it's just those things work. And those are the methods and emotions of elite sellers that are selling cloud. Um, and I think I, I want to leave us with one more point on the transition between cloud and on-premises. Sellers need to understand their comp plan. So if you're a seller that's been asked to sell cloud solutions now instead of on-premise solutions, understand how that comp plan works for you and really work the math. And so when you start to see and you're being incented to sell cloud, when you truly understand your comp plan, your behavior will change as well. So we've talked about ways to win the deal, but I want to kind of put a little comma and a little underscore point of you really have to make sure you're working the comp plan and that your comp plan matches uh, the selling that your company is asking you to do around cloud. Yeah. Uh, and I just got on off of a conversation this morning with a bunch of CFOs where we were talking about make sure the comp plan rewards the kind of behaviors that you're looking for. Um, so every salesperson uh, is going to behave as they're measured and as they're compensated. But so you, we make sure that you know how you should be behaving um, and, and as well as making the plan to drive the behaviors you want. That's right. That's playing to win, right? So I'm not just playing not to lose. I'm playing to win because I understand the rules of the game. I understand my route that I'm taking and I'm going to play the game to win by driving the process myself and yeah. making sure that all the players that are involved internal ecosystem, external ecosystem, everybody understands their role and their position and the value that we're trying to help the customer uh, achieve and understand those outcomes. And when everybody has that both on both sides, you win. Yep. So if I can summarize my thought is that ever the world is going to SaaS partly because it's a business solution, partly because there's, you know, some technology reasons to do it, but partly because a Profit dollar from in a SaaS business is probably worth about twice the stock price as that same profit dollar from an on-premises software. Um, the PE ratios for SaaS companies are much higher. So your exit strategy as a, as a corporate owner is much better if you're SaaS. And so there's lots and lots and lots of good reasons to be a SaaS company, but it's not as simple as just rewriting your code for the cloud. Um, you have to change you have the fundamental way you think and you have to deal with your and, and your client success function and your client facing organizations have got to be configured for the reduced stickiness of that solution so that you maintain the stickiness that you had when you abandoned on-prem uh, and that pulls in all kinds of capabilities uh, business acumen everybody's selling um, a real clear idea of customer outcomes, outcomes, outcomes. That's what I took away today. What about you? 
That's what I took away. And I think that the next title of your book has to include the word outcome. <laughs> I think you're right. Let's write one. <laughs> we are. <laughs> all right. Christine, thanks. What a great conversation as they all are. Um, and any, any last words or you want to sign us off? I'll sign you off. I think everybody, if we focus on the value and focus on the customer outcome, we're planning to win the game. So I wish you all success this week and you can check back in with Mark and I and reach out if you need some additional help or, or some additional value clarity. Well, it ain't easy because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues because you'll be singing those old don't know value blues. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.